Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's good to be with you on another Sunday, uh, an opportunity to share God's word and blessing and to be with each other in this way. So why doesn't everybody just take a second, who's visible anyway, and just give a wave. <laughs> it's good to see you, Vince. RJ, it's good to see you. Um, so today, um, we just have a wonderful opportunity just to, to be together. Raheem and I um, got together this week um, to mess around with some songs. So today we have Our God, and we pulled up Love Theory, which is a Kurt Franklin song, and played around with that a little bit, did our own version, then I will follow. So I want you to sit back and relax and join us in worshiping God. So let's pray together. Our God and Father, we are grateful that you are, um, that you're God, that you're with us, that you allow us to continue to grow, and that you have kept our church community together. Um, thank you so much, Lord, for the peace that you are giving us, the uh, refreshing that you're giving many of us as we're traveling, unable to get out of the city or just go see uh, family a little bit, you know, in socially distanced ways. Um, but to uh, calm our hearts, we're settling in for this, for the, the, the long haul of this. But we really, I do since your presence. So thank you for that. Bless the service. Bless everyone who gathers together today and those who will hear it in days to come. Touch our hearts that we might know you better. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So our first uh, worship song, Our God, please enjoy and sing with us. Yeah. 
take over the actual scheduling of worship. We are um, preparing to place our worship services, leave Zoom and actually place our worship services on our website. And so we're going to record all the aspects of service. And so Raheem is going to help us organize the worship site, send out text asking people the same. So Emily Eaglesizer, I'm coming after you. Um, and others. Uh, we're just going to ask people to participate in worship, whether it's spoken word, family reciting uh, something that's meaningful to them. But the deal is, what I found is the more faces that we see of each other, the more we feel connected. And so I want to make this an opportunity where it's not just my face that's on the screen, but all of ours. And we can get a, a sense of how we're each doing through the worship we, we share, the participation we have in the service. So look for that coming in, uh, hopefully, in September. So um, other announcements. AJ Wallace is going to be with us next week, so you'll get to meet the new director of operations for our church. He is moving into uh, his, his dorm in Princeton right now, um, and this is giving him a place to live, even though they're doing their classes and things online. Um, so he's going to be uh, with all of us next week. He's actually going to be in the church on Tuesday. So we've done everything through online. So it's going to be great to meet him. Um, being in the city uh, and going back and spending time in church has given me more time to meet the neighbors. So we have a wonderful uh, kind of eclectic or people say diverse group of neighbors living close to the church and we have a couple of new families there. So it's going to be fun getting to know them and hopefully we'll be able to meet them as a church community um, and enjoy them. Um, I want to just note that Melissa's doing some live sessions, uh, interviewing different members of the church uh, about identity and how we label ourselves. So they're, those are turning into some really interesting conversations, as well as having live sessions with our kids. And so um, Andrea has been doing a couple of weeks of live sessions with the kids, and they actually are manipulating things together, making things together, uh, so the kids can respond right uh, in time and actually talk to her, and she can talk back to them. So that's that's been a beautiful thing. And Melissa texted me today saying it was really good and exciting. So we have that, and that that's going on. So we just want to continue to worship God together, and I just want to thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your commitment to us as a church. Okay, amen. Okay, so uh, just want to jump into the service uh, to the sermon for now. You know, um, been doing this uh, series on spirituality, and uh, sometimes I overthink things. That's my confession. 
um, in thinking through how to address the nature of spirituality and to talk about what it looks like, I so want to demonstrate that what I'm saying is biblical. No matter how it contradicts with the traditional teachings uh, we've experienced uh, in, in our churches, I just want us, I, I want you to see what I'm saying is actually there in scripture. Now, I know I can do that. Um, I want to explore the scriptures with you, but sometimes I get concerned that uh, my exploration of the scriptures may get in the way of the message. And so I'm just one of those, I don't know, Jesus people that like reading scripture and talking about it. So, um, but I know. So I want to keep things moving for us. Um, I enjoy the lessons that the scripture provides and I want to be correct. I want to rightly, you know, scripture says, rightly divide the word of truth, rightly understand and instruct in truth. Um, the way I want to do it, the way the scriptures themselves, I want to correct. There we go. I want to make corrections to the way the scriptures themselves have been used to marginalize us and to control us, to make us behave in ways that support the existing structures in our society instead of inspiring us to reframe and restructure them. The very scriptures being used to blind us as a human race from the wholeness and unity God desires for us makes me angry because Jesus came to set us free, not enslave us, to, to another system, not, 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 not trap us or make us confused or disheartened. But when we say the word Christianity now, for some people, it's like cursing. And that makes me sad. As a whole, the American church has been more concerned with calling ourselves Christian instead of following what actually happened in scripture. In Acts eleven twenty six. The scripture says, and they call their name, the people, the authorities, the folks watching them, call their name Christian. They didn't call themselves that. And I think there's a value for that, that I want our community to say, yeah, that church mosaic, those folks are Christians. That's what Christians look like. And they be able to see it and call us that. Um, and why is that? Because what exists isn't inspiring people to love or inspiring us toward unity. And that's what God meant for the church to do, to be this vehicle, this movement that inspires people uh, for hope and love and unity and peace. And I, I, I wanna recapture that. That is my, that's the goal of, of being in ministry for me. We all need to be set free from the ways the gospel has been used to promote misunderstanding regarding gender and racial hierarchies. We need to understand sin as those things which separate us from God, ourselves, others, and all of creation. That that separation, that, that to experience that separation is to experience death even before the body dies. And that that death God didn't mean for us. We were never uh, intended to be separate from one another, to exist in a way where there are these hierarchies that keep us isolated, caste systems that, that destroy unity. God wanted us to understand that we all have a part to play, a role to play. And those roles, those parts we play are vital for our existence. I do deeply want to uh, participate in helping us see how God 
has been so misrepresented and abused. I feel our genuine encounters with God, the desires, those early, those early encounters with God opened to us. Um, I feel like we've moved away from that. And some of that happens just with our time uh, as, as followers and going to church and things as we grow up. That newness wears off. But I want us to understand uh, um, that we have these opportunities before us. You know, instead of giving us more of, of God, our brains, you know, have been filled with Christian norms of behavior that focus on the importance of acting and thinking in certain ways to be found acceptable, you know, before God. When what amazed us in our early walk and our early encounters with God is that God accepted us the way we were. You know, they, I don't know, maybe your old church experience included songs like uh, Just As I Am, you know, and being able to come and, and present ourselves to God just the way we are and find that acceptance. God treated us like we have already been accepted. It wasn't something we had to earn or to struggle to keep. It was freely given through faith. This connection, this reconnection with God is freely given because of Jesus and through Jesus. And it's within that atmosphere, that free gift of connecting that God wants us to continue to deepen our experience of knowing God, ourselves, others, and the rest of creation. To achieve this, uh, this deepening of spirituality, to help us connect with God um, like we uh, felt free to do when we were first started following Jesus, we need to be set free. To take a new look at scriptures. Jesus was always challenging people to take a new or a different look at the Old Testament scriptures. Jesus would be with the people and he would teach them, right? So before Jesus left the earth, he promised that he would not leave us alone, but that he'd send us a comforter to be with us and to teach us truth because the Holy Spirit would live in us. Last week, we looked at the story that God gave us to, under, to help us understand how we were separated in um, Genesis 3. Um, it, in it, we see how God was with the first humans coming to earth to walk and talk with them in the cool of the day. The Gospels have showed us that God in Jesus was with the people entering the earth as a flesh and blood human being and walking with humanity and talking and teaching with humanity. And then in the book of Acts, it tells us how Jesus promised to not leave us alone and fulfilled that promise by sending the Holy Spirit to live in us and thereby being with us, able to walk through life with us individually and collectively and this, with the Spirit teaching us what is truth, what is truth in this world. Um, what we see in those three instances I just described um, are how God was with the first humans, how Jesus was with humanity, and how the Spirit is with us. What we see is the consistency of God. God always intended to be with us, sharing in life with us, and teaching us. And God, parent, son, spirit, has always acted to fulfill that intention. God has always acted that way. God desires 
an ongoing day-to-day relationship, communing with us, walking, talking with us, where we share with one another. So here's the question. Do you desire an ongoing day-to-day relationship with God of communion, walking and talking with God, where we share with one another? Or when you sense, or when I sense God's presence, have we taken aspects um, aspects of our lives, have we taken to the practice of, of sewing our own coverings to help us hide from being naked before God? By that I mean the kind of nakedness that means being bare, unconcealed, without disguise before God. And I also mean the kind of nakedness that means being exposed before God. There's freedom in being there before God. Bear is to be naked and to be unashamed. Now, I can't speak for you, but I know that while I want to be, I want that kind of the being bare before God that's, you know, naked and unashamed, unconcealed, without disguise. Um, I have a lot of the uh, exposed kind of nakedness in my life. This makes me want to hide from God. Like probably it does you. In deepening my spirituality, instead of hiding, I want to choose to expose myself before God and ignore the shame. God asked the first humans, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree I told you not to eat from? That was Genesis 3.11. Here was a moment of decision for the first humans. What didn't they do? That's what's key for us today as we talk about the deepening of our spiritual connection with God. See, in Genesis 3, 11, God asked, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree I told you not to eat from? And in Genesis 12 and verses 12 and 13, it tells us what they did. And by telling us what they did, it also tells us what they didn't do. Verse 12, the woman, this was the, the, the male's response. The woman you put here with me, she gave me, a, she gave me to eat and I ate. Verse 13, the woman's response. Um, God asked, what, why have, what have you done? Why have you done this thing? And she said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. But what didn't they do? The answer I'm looking for is this. They didn't expose themselves. You see, I love being bare before God while the music is playing and I can lift my hands and I can tell God how wonderful God is. When I can appreciate my big brother or our big brother Jesus and when the spirit envelops me or envelops us and we feel God's presence there and it's so good and so sweet, right? Um, But it feels like a different story when I have to face conviction. Who told you you were naked? Did you eat? Those first humans were under conviction. They were being compelled to admit the truth of what they did, and they failed to admit the truth. They blamed. They blamed God. The woman you put here with me, God, she gave it to me. And why would I think she would give me something that would hurt me, right? Kind of, I'm saying. And the woman, you know, um, She's like, well, the serpent deceived me, and, and it's the serpent's fault. And so this, this, this tidal wave of, 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 of the blame of God and blaming the woman and the woman blaming the serpent, and we go 
on and on with that blame game that I said we'd talk about this week. I had a friend. Um, I only knew her for a short period of time, but she taught me to ask uh, this question of myself, and I want to share that with you. She taught me when there was conflict, when there was a problem, that the most important question is to ask yourself, what role or what part did I play in this? It's an aspect of restorative justice to help us see a bigger picture of what's happening so that we're not blaming other people. We're not looking, but we're looking at the issues that, we, that, that people are facing and saying, is there a role I played? Is there a role society has played in causing this to happen? And us owning that. And so we can't dump everything on the other person and just blame them. But we have to take a look at ourselves in the mirror and talk to ourselves about the role, the part we're playing. That's basically because the question God asked each of them was just that. What's your role in this? But instead of being naked and exposing their nakedness, they blamed others for it. Now, the funny thing about being naked is, you know, when you're naked, you're naked, right? Whether you are naked and unashamed or you're naked and ashamed, you're still naked. You ain't got no clothes on. You have no coverings. You're out there, right? The problem, I believe, uh, one of the problems with it, though, in the ne being naked and being ashamed is that we tend to cover up our truths. We create coverings or cover stories to keep others or to try to prevent others from seeing that nakedness, God and other people in the world. You know, an example of that is uh, the cover story for white privilege. Um, I'm white, but I don't have anything to do with slavery. Those people who did all of that and enslaved people and put them in ships and, and whipped them and whatever, all those people died a hundred years ago. It's over and folks that blame slavery on their achievement failures are lazy and irresponsible and just want to keep that, that going on and on and going on. Blame game, cover story. But when we're naked and fighting that shame and trying to expose ourselves before God, we have to ask what role, what part I play in this. And part of that is I can't confess in white privilege. I can't confess that I benefit from the institutions that, erect, that were erected to benefit my, my race. I, I'm having trouble acknowledging that. You see, God asked those first humans a straightforward question under the weight of conviction, and they would not confess. It disrupted the genuine, authentic nature of their spirituality, their practice of being in God's presence, their connection with God. So what does this story have to teach us today about our spirituality? One, God always intended to walk with us and to teach us in a day-to-day -day relationship. God never intended to be distant uh, from us or uh, difficult for us to reach. We see this in the garden. We see it again in Jesus entering the earth in flesh and blood. We see it again in the spirit coming to live inside of all of us who confess Christ. 
So we need to be open to that same communing relationship with God too. That being naked before God, whether we feel uh, free in our nakedness or we feel something that makes us want to withdraw, we have to get used to it in either state we're in so we don't cover up stuff and hide. Instead, we confess the good, we confess the joy, we confess our sorrow, we confess our ugliness. No cover stories. Because God is there and can see. So the cover story is not for God. It's a cover story for us that we implement, that we are doing that separates us. Because God has made that connection with us. And God has demonstrated through, through uh, the beginning being with us, through Jesus being with us, through the Spirit being us, with us, that this is God's intention. And God's not moving away from that. God's moving toward us. It wants us to move toward him or her. So here's the deal. Scripture in 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, if we confess the acts that separate us, God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now listen to this. If we confess God is faithful and just in God's relationship with us to forgive us, Remember I said the words uh, justice and righteousness are relationship words, right? And here we hear that God, the just uh, uh, judge, in his justice, God chooses the restoration that comes with forgiveness. And so God chooses to forgive us when we make that confession. Um, when we talk straight up about what's going on in our lives, the things that we are doing that are separating us from God and others. You know, either we expose ourselves uh, or tell on ourselves. Or when God brings up the issue, because sometimes we don't want to talk about it, but when God brings it up, like God brought it up to the first humans, we acknowledge what's happened. You know, we answer the call of, Angel, what did you do? Angel, what's up with this? Angel, what parts of this do you own? It's when we don't do that that causes the separation. The scripture says that when we confess, God will forgive us and God will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God will make us clean from all that separates us relationally. Yes, we have immediate forgiveness and cleansing, you know, and it's really a wonderful thing. We have to be you know, thankful to God for that and for the sacrifice in Jesus that makes that possible. But let's take a step back um, from just verse 9 and 1 John 1 chapter one. And let's look at uh, a fuller context to see more of what the scripture is saying. So I'm going to back up to verse five. And it says, this is the message we've heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and that in God, there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with God while we're walking in darkness, then we lie and we don't know what truth is. But if we walk in the light as God is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, meaning we have fellowship with God. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. 
all that separates us. Verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess, now verse 9, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, the first thing I want to focus on in these scriptures are verse 6 and 7. If we say we have fellowship with God while we're walking in darkness, we lie. We don't know what truth is. But if we walk in the light as God is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Now, the word fellowship here is the word koinonia. For those of us who've been Christian, maybe a word that we have heard uh, most a lot of our Christian life, right? It means this. It means a participation within human experience, your experience, your life experience, my life's experience, the participation within human spirit of communion with the living God, God's self. And communing means intimate fellowship or an intimate relationship. So verse seven, if we walk in the light as if, if we walk in the light as God is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. These scriptures speak of continuing, a continuing engagement with God as we're moving through each day of our lives in intimate relationship with God. So here's another question for all of us. I had to ask myself this as I was writing it. How's our intimate fellowship with God going through our through our day? Do you have a sense of God through the day? Are you talking with God about the happenings of, uh, as you two or you and your family move through your day? Meaning you and God or you and God and others, are you, are you experiencing, is God being, has God been invited in? Are you and I including God in our day or are we mostly kind of ignoring God? Now, I'm not saying we have to talk to God all day, pray all day. Just as we, uh, just as we can be comfortable in the presence of our kids or our significant other or our friends without talking, you and I can, can do that with God. But there's a difference between being with someone and not talking and, being, and, and forgetting somebody's even with you, right? Not even thinking about them being with you. So as we know, you know, sometimes this is how we've been treating. We treat God. When I first became a Christian, it was the best thing ever. Better than sliced bread and chocolate-covered peanuts, which I love. To know that I could talk to God and, and, and include God. I um, first... Um, came to, to really focus and know God when I was in high school. And I would literally, I mean, and I kind of just took things as it was written. You know, I would, I would read it. I would talk to God about it. It was the deal. So I remember that I, would, I sat and sit in class in high school, chemistry class in particular. And I'd be like, okay, I'm watching the teachers putting, some, putting this long equation on the board, right? And I would think to myself, Lord, you, know, you and I both know. I don't know what she's talking about. This is a gift you didn't give me. And I don't even have a question to ask. So I need some help. <laughs> so so I, I would literally, really, because people told me, 
you know, I was new in Christ and I could expect God to provide for me. And so I would listen out to hear how God would kind of direct me on what to do. You know, I don't know what to do. I don't understand this. And, you know, a lot of times when we're in school, we don't want to appear to be the dumb one or the one that didn't get it. So we sat quiet. I was classic at that. And, uh, I remember just kind of, okay, I'm going to raise my hand. I'm going to raise my hand and admit out loud. And I called, the teacher's name was Miss Stephenson. I said, Miss Stephenson, I don't have a question. I just don't understand. And, and you, know, you know, those lessons God taught me by just making that confession. I don't even know what you're doing. You got to start all over. And she would. She responded to my confession. I can't believe I got to be in that class, but, you know, then again, I can because I really did depend upon God. It's funny how we get, you know, start talking about God. I use the words like depend upon, depend on God to uh, help me. Um, in the course of my day to day with my studies and things, it was cool for me to discover that I could pray, you know, that I could do that, that I could pray in the spirit in my head. You know, like you can talk to yourself in your head. You can pray in the spirit in your head. And I'm not telling everybody had Some people believe in it. Some people don't. I just happen to. You don't have to. But it was kind of cool to make these discoveries that there are these things like when I'm feeling pressed or I'm feeling anxious that I could just, and I don't know what to say, I could just pray that way. You know, that I could make these connections with God because God is our source, you know, and can come in in those times of anxiety and come in in those times of joy and co come in in those times of distress. Lord, are you seeing this? I know you're seeing this. I need you to do something because I don't know, either calm me down, give me a vision, something in that conversation with an expectation that God really is going to talk to you. God knows how to get a word, a message to you. Um, so, so the kind of, of, of thing that I'm talking about today in talking about our spirituality and our spiritual connection with God, I'm not talking about the formal or our structured devotional or prayer time. Now that's important, but I'm not talking about that today. We'll talk about that at another time. I'm talking about our along the way time in our life. You know, the time you're just walking through your day. The invitation before us is to walk in the light. Walk with God in the light throughout the day. So I said last week, I was going to try to be more practical with this. And so I am. So here are three possible struggles you and I might have in walking through the course of our day. Okay. And I just want to present them. The first one is I want to do that, but I just get busy and I forget, right? That, that sounds like something I know I've done. Have you done that, you know? Um, the second, I don't wanna do that because, now this is being real. I hope it's not too real for you guys, but I don't wanna walk with God in the course of the day because I'm planning on sinning today. And I don't wanna talk to God about it because I really want to do this thing that I'm thinking about doing that I know I ain't got no business doing. And if I talk to God about it, I probably won't do it. Now, I, I've done that. So y'all don't have to own it. I'm going to own it for all of us, right? And just try to avoid, you know, I know I'm going to do this thing and I kind of try to avoid God or anything that would remind me of God because I'm going to do this thing. 
The third is, um, you might say to me, Angel, you know, that sounds what you're talking about and having this conversation, talking with God all, all the time, sounds kind of creepy and Jesus freaky, right? Um, you may say, I want God, but let's not be ridiculous. Um, but you can be a Christian without all of that. That's true. Okay. Here are my answers to, to those struggles, or um, I think of them more in terms of strategies or some thoughts about them. So, and I think, and my hope is that it's very practical advice. Okay. So to, to, the, to number one, I want to do that, but I forget about God. This is something I really want us to practice, if you will, with me as a community and share with other people um, as you experience it. Um, practice makes us better. So practicing being with God makes us better at it, okay? So my suggestion is to start off our day simple. When you wake up, I want you to just determine in your head that you're going to do have one minute meditation, meditation and prayer before you do anything else. I want us to sit on the side of our bed, close our eyes, and just notice our bodies and the way we're breathing. Fill your lungs in, exhale, and turn your thoughts to God, and then turn your thoughts to God um, and greet God in the morning. Ask the Spirit to join you in fellowship through the day. Ask the Spirit to help you. <laughs> Remember to talk to, to him or her through the day. And then a short prayer for the day. And then take a deep cleansing breath. And then, you know, jet off to the bathroom or whatever you need to do. But to take one minute just to orient yourself with God. Nothing spooky. It's just a deep cleansing breath. And to think about, this is who I am, my body is functioning, the breathing, and then my invitation for God to join me today. I want you to try that. Um, and then, if you can, I want you to repeat that same one minute. Maybe it's 30 seconds for you. I want you to try it at lunch and dinner, and then thank God for God's presence at the end of the day. Sit on the bed, one minute meditation, 30-second meditation, go to sleep. No pressure. Just do that and see what happens. Now, I'm here to tell you that God is going to meet you. Um, I, I just, I know he is. So number two, so um, number two, I said, why don't, um, I said, I don't want to, I don't want to connect with God because that means, you know, the sin plans I had, the sep the things I wanted to do that were going to separate me from God and from other people, I really want to do them <laughs> today. So I'm not talking to God. So, okay, that is real. And we all have done it and still do it at certain times. So here's my suggestion. Very simple. Still do number one. Begin your day. 30-second, one-minute meditation that includes an invitation for God to join you in the course of the day. Um, and then at lunch, dinner, in the evening, just do that. Getting a running theme that, number one, kind of follows through on everything, right? Um, and if you, I want to say this, though, if you choose, still choose to do that thing that separates you, um, well, Here's the deal. I know we say it, we mentally assent 
to the fact that God sees us anyway, you know, but then we try not to think about it. But here's the reality. God sees it anyway. So, you know, trying to hide makes no sense. The folks in the garden tried to hide and God found them like that. Lickety, lickety quick, right? Split. God sees us. So we might as well just talk about it while we're doing it. God, I'm doing this. I know I shouldn't be doing it. But you still have that invitation with God. Because the presence of God changes some things. And I may do something today, but three weeks from now, I might be changed. And I want to give God that opportunity for transformation. Okay? You see, the honesty and the genuineness of our conversation is something that God can deal with. You and I will be surprised, but um, God can handle our stuff. God can handle our sin. God can handle our plot to do things. God can handle it all. God is not running from that. So we don't have to run from it either. It's, it's what we do. So let's just be honest about it. Okay. And then the third one, what kind, um, that sounds kind of creepy and Jesus freaky. Okay, again, my suggestion, and really my request, is for you to try it. Try it for a week and see if you notice God more. Try it for a week and see if God, if you find some really unusual ways that God manages to get messages to you, communicate with you, and see what happens. Nobody is even in your head. Nobody will ever know that this is what you're doing in the course of your day. Or, or if somebody notices something, just say it's, you know, your new meditation practice because meditation is the end thing to do now, you know. So you can do a, a long ago spiritual practice as if it's a brand new thing. But in everything, I want you to give it a try. It seems simple and whatever, but it's those simple things that can really change you. And it's those simple things that can make a, a, the biggest difference. So why is this important? Why does it matter? When I recognize that God, when I recognize God as a person, God as a person, or as the persons of the, 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 the parent, the child, the spirit, I, I have to recognize that God has desires as well. Now, I love God. I just, and just as I want to meet the desires in my family, my kids, I want to meet the desire that God has. This isn't just a one-sided relationship. You and I have some responsibilities in it as well. And the major one is to pay attention to our partner in life. If you stop paying attention to your spouse, you know you're going to have trouble. Well, if you stop paying attention to God, who's our partner in life, that we're going to experience some things that maybe God can see us through, help us navigate around. So this day-to-day -day conversation, this in the moment, in the hours uh, of the day, conversation becomes critical, right? It's really important um, because the Spirit of God lives in us. And really is thriving. You ever seen people um, turning double dutch? And, and, and so they start turning the ropes first, right? And then you see the person on the outside getting ready to jump in, right? So they're getting all, all this rhythm going. And this, I kind of picture this in my crazy head, what God is doing. God has got this rhythm going, looking for where God can jump into our lives. And then we stop turning the rope. God, turning the rope is the invitation for God to come in. Why is this important? It's important because I don't want to be selfish. It's, it's selfish. I don't want to be 
as selfish this year as I was last year. I don't want to be as shallow this year as I was last year. I don't want to go through life without connecting with the things that are important. But here's my confession. Unless I'm talking to God through my day, I miss so much. I get focused on the smaller things in life. I also miss how God can help me accomplish things um, so much better in the course of my life. You see, I forget <clears throat> what life is about. I start thinking that life is about the task and the things that I'm actually doing. When in truth, God can, the, the, the tasks and the things I'm doing are the thing God uses to help me connect with people. So when I highlight the task and, and, and subordinate the people, I'm out of order. These things give me opportunity to engage them. And God, and God, the relationship with God, what I found is God helps me get the task done. But in the midst of the task shows me different ways to connect with people. And they, they, through that connection, get to see God and get to find hope and get to find relationship and get to be touched. One of the things people miss in this world is touch. They get to be touched and know that somebody's looking them in the eye and caring. And what, what caused that? Because we decided, James joined me last week in picking up trash outside our church. And it was something that we did, but the conversation that we had uh, as a result of doing this task together gave us opportunity to connect. There are beautiful things that can happen and sometimes we miss that. And that relationship with God, God points out, nudges us, speaks to us in the way that God does to help us connect with people. So the mental models that are formed from talking about, um, about you know, traditionally in the third chapter of Genesis about a fall from grace, we lose something in that description having that model. We lose that intimate connection. Um, we were created to have with God. We fell and we got and we can get up, but it doesn't speak to us um, about connecting. Thinking about Genesis 3 in terms of separation, for me, that works for me. It creates a better model in my head. I got separated from people. When I do stuff, I feel the separation or the, the, the rending of a relationship or, and I need to check in and make sure that we can reconnect, that we haven't lost that. And, and that helps me to know if I need to ask people, you know, to forgive me or if I need to do some explanation or if I'm hurt and I need to help people see how they've hurt me. In the separation, we look for what will bring us back to unity. There's a place for the rituals of following Jesus, but rituals without relationship only make for empty gestures or slick attempts to make us look Christian when we're not really experiencing that Christian life with God. We have this incredible opportunity, this incredible treasure. We can get to know God intimately and learn that God does indeed know how to talk to us know how to direct us, know how to make us laugh and inspire us. It's fun and it's exciting. And if we allow, God will transform us. He will get the old yuck of the teachings that we have sat in church and learned or just people have accepted as true and help us transform our thinking. 
I find the best times I learn is like after a sermon or when I hear a talk, because I'll walk away from that. And then I start talking to God about what I heard and start asking God questions about that. I know I'm not special. So I know that even as I ask God questions and I hear from God, God will do that for all of us. And this, in some ways, for me, is the best part of our relationship. So that in the midst of whatever, I can share that with God and I can experience the not being alone with God. And as a result, in, in the midst of those conversations with God and what God does, I'm often moved to invite other people into this conversation with us. And I experience the not being alone with my disappointments and not being alone with my anger or my fear. We have to understand that God and the church are two different things. I've been hurt by people in the church and I've been hurt by people outside of the church because that's what people do. But God has been consistent with me. I want each of us, I want more for each of us. And that's found in a deeper relationship with God. I pray that you choose to act on the suggestion that I'm offering. That one 30 seconds, one minute meditation of invitation. I pray and hope that you taste, you know, as the scripture says, taste and see that God is good. That you do this and have your encounters with God. And you know for yourself that God is real and that God rewards us with God herself when we seek after God. I want to know God. My deepest desire is to help you know God too. So be blessed in the hearing of this, this explanation of the separation and connecting with God and in this exercise that we can be that we can participate in to know God. So, amen. 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 All right. As we continue in worship, um, again, uh, Rahim and I played around with a, uh, uh, a version of love theory um, uh, found uh, uh, by Kurt Franklin. Now, the verse goes in, in this song. I love this song. And, you know, sometimes with music and, and the lyrics, sometimes, the, you know, you'd be grooving to it. The, the, the beat is good and the, and the instruments are playing hard and you're going with it. And suddenly you hear a lyric and you go, uh-oh, no, I want that one. So <laughs> that's how I feel about this one. So I did some reading and found out that it was okay for the church to change lyrics when you're doing the songs. And so I was like, cool because we're going to change the, the chorus. The chorus of love theory is, I don't want to love nobody but you. I don't want to love nobody but you. I don't want to love nobody. Love nobody but you. That, that doesn't work. That's not biblical. Nope. So I'm not singing that stuff. So we changed it to, I just want to love everybody like you. Love everybody like you. Love everybody. Love everybody like you. So that's the change we made in this. Oh, and then there's a little cool vamp part that says, um, 
that says something about following you will be the death of me. Mm, nope, not singing that one either. Knowing God is the life of me. <laughs> you know, it's the life of me. So you'll hear that. And if you know the songs, you'll hear where we make those little tweaks and changes. So, Andrew, go ahead with the uh, continued worship. So, I love theory and I will follow. I just want to love everybody like you. I just want to love everybody like you. I just want to love everybody, love everybody like you. I just want to love everybody like you. I just want to love everybody like you. I just want to love everybody, love everybody like you. How can it be that you love the most blessed us and um, my sermon today was just an encouragement to follow God into this relationship 
And so one of our responses to that is simply the song, I will follow. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Where you move, I'll move, God. And to do that, we have to listen to, uh, to what God is doing, how God is moving um, with us in the course of each day. And so let's share in that response. I will follow. today comes from, um, again, The Circle of Joy by Jan Richardson. Um, this is her response to Luke 138. Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And uh, it reads as follows. A blessing for after. The blessing is for the moment after clarity comes, after inspiration after you have agreed to what seems impossible. The blessing is what follows after illumination departs. 
and you realize there is no map for the path you have chosen. No one to serve no, as guide, nothing to do but gather up your gumption and set out. The blessing will go with you. It carries no answers, no charts, no plans. It carries no source of life within itself. But in its pocket it is tucked a mirror that from time to time it will hold you, it will hold up to you. Sorry, but it, in its pocket is tucked a mirror that from time to time, it will hold up to you to remind you of the radiance that came when you gave your awful, wondrous yes. And so the invitation today is to say yes um, to inviting God into the course of your day and practicing talking with God throughout the day, to deepen that relationship, that enjoyment of God's presence in the same way you enjoy your kids, your friends, your spouse, to enjoy your God in that way. Let me pray for you, please. Our God, we, um, we just look to you for um, this change, this transformation, this coming to know you. I pray, Lord, that you would seal this in the hearts of your people. Whoever hears this sermon, oh God, that they would be tickled to interest, to try it out and see for themselves how you speak. And I ask you, Lord, to, to validate what I've been teaching through the performance of your word, of you being with them. I ask your continued anointing on them, empowering them to be with you and through their being with you, being able to invite others who may see the church and Christianity as a thing to run away from. Father, maybe the church is right now, but you never are. You never have been. So I pray that through the honesty of our relationship with you, the joy we have in talking to you and being with you, oh God, that people will see that. And that will change the unfortunate model that American Christianity has been painting, especially recently. And that they will know that you are God, faithful and just, that you're there for us, that you point us to right relationships, that you inspire us to dream again. Lord, help us in that and to remember that the purpose that we are living for is our connection with you and with other people. And we thank you for the things you've given us to do, to use as tools for that connection. Help us remember the order of things, that you might be glorified. Now bless everyone today in this rainy day um, to enjoy time with you and time with your families. I pray for continued peace and safety from this virus, that you would grant us wisdom in knowing how to move, even as we're venturing out more, that we would be wise and we would be disciplined, Lord, in what we do. And I pray, Father, that we don't give up on unity, on transformation, on, on letting go the evils of the way we've racialized society to embrace the unity and the gift of unity you've given us. This is our prayer. In Christ's name, amen. God bless everybody. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.
One quick thing, just from a housekeeping perspective for everybody, uh, we've been getting some notices that uh, the Zoom links and the uh, weekly newsletter, people are not receiving them. Please check your spam folders. And if you're a Gmail user, check your promotional folder. And one way to make sure those get through every week from the church is actually add that email address to your contact list. And then they should start showing up. So I wanna make sure that we brought that up so nobody is missing the service or missing any of the great recaps that go out as well. Good word, good word. Thanks everybody, have a good day, bye-bye.